Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we're continuing our devotional study series in the book of Psalms. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Odium and Church Crookham. And we'd love for you to join us over there. Hello there, folks. Uh, welcome to our study in the Psalms. Today, we're going to take a look at Psalm 32. Um, so if you want to open up in your Bibles to Psalm 32, uh, whilst I just give you a quick introduction to it. Um, now, this was actually St. Augustine's favorite psalm, uh, believe it or not. Augustine actually had it inscribed on the wall next to his bed before he died so that he could meditate on it better. Uh, so it's a fantastic psalm. In fact, uh, Spurgeon talks about... Um, heaps of happiness, bundles of happiness and mountains of joy that we can experience as a result of knowing the truth of this psalm. So I hope that today, as you start out on a slightly dreary Tuesday morning or whenever you're listening to this podcast, that you will actually experience bundles of joy as a result of us looking at this psalm. So let's read it together. Uh, David, a psalm of David. Uh, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. And did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely, when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place, and you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Someone has described the Psalms as a little bit like a medicine chest, um, you know, like a, a first aid kit, if you like. Now, everyone has a medicine chest in their house somewhere tucked away in a cupboard. And of course, in there, you've got all sorts of remedies for all sorts of different ailments. And you'll have ointments and you'll have uh, dressings and bandages and uh, different things needed for different occasions. And the Psalms are a little bit like that. They cover every occasion of life. There's an, there's an ointment, there's a remedy for every situation that we find ourselves in. And one of the situations that we find ourselves in, unfortunately, all too frequently, is that of sin. And so this Psalm addresses the issue of God's remedy for our sin. There are, in fact, uh, seven penitential psalms in the bible 
Psalms that speak about penitence, about forgiveness, about repentance, seven penitential psalms. The first of them is Psalm 6. The second of them is this psalm, Psalm 32. Another famous one, of course, is Psalm 51, in which we know that David, in the heat uh, of being found out from his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah by the prophet Nathan, David repents and ask God to cleanse his heart, and then he says that he will teach transgressors all his ways. This psalm, Psalm 32, is quite possibly and probably a sister psalm to Psalm 51. It kind of covers the same material, but adds its own distinctive voice to the theme. And whereas Psalm 51 is really David repenting on the spot when he's discovered, um, here in Psalm 32, David is teaching transgressors his ways by looking back to the time when he sinned and repented and rejoicing in the forgiveness that he experienced and remembering the kindness and goodness of God and therefore uh, finding assurance from that. Uh, and, and it's really a testimony that David is giving here, that when he looks back and he knows his forgiveness, I think this is important for us to notice this, that, that you know, actually, in some ways, um, it's not like a medicine test chest. It's not that, uh, you know, occasionally we need to get out the ointment of forgiveness. Uh, no, no, we need this pretty well every day because the reality is, first of all, we sin every day. And so we need to know his grace every day. But secondly, actually, there's huge power in looking back, in reflecting, in remembering the kindness and grace of God so that we can have confidence and assurance in the present because of, we know of how God has dealt with us in the past. And so this is a wonderful celebration of that theme. As someone has put it, uh, Campbell Morgan put it like this. It is a psalm of penitence, but it is also the song of a ransomed soul rejoicing in the wonders of the grace of God. Sin is dealt with. Sorrow is comforted. Ignorance is instructed. Now, I'm not probably going to do the whole psalm today. We'll see how we go. But let's begin by asking the question, what was the nature of sin that uh, the psalmist speaks about? And we read in verse five that he speaks, he uses three different words to talk about sin. In the Hebrew, there are three different words for sin in verse five. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you. The idea behind that word sin is a falling short or a missing the mark. We tend to think of the idea of an arrow that falls short of its target. And so that's the first picture of sin that we get. The second is the word iniquity. He speaks of how God does not how we, he didn't cover up my iniquity. And that word iniquity speaks of a, a crookedness, if you like, a distortion, a kind of twisting away, a bending away from the right path and from following gods. It's a little bit like this. I'm sure that you're familiar with the game of lawn bowls. Uh, a certain age and generation perhaps uh, enjoy this game or maybe younger ones as well. Um, but 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 with those those big balls that are thrown on the grass there, of course, they have this inbuilt bias within them. 
So when they're bold, they cannot go straight. They do not go straight because they have this inbuilt bias within them that means that they will always turn. And so you have to calculate accordingly. And so it is with us that there is this inbuilt bias within us. It, it's called original sin. It's this thing within us that means that we will bend away from God within our natural propensities. And so this word iniquity is speaking of that. And the third word for sin that is used here is transgression. My transgressions, he talks about. And this is kind of committing a crime, if you like. It's crossing a line. It's defying authority. It's transgressing against um, against a particular law. And so there, there's three words. It's, this is a comprehensive covering of all types of sin, falling short, turning away and crossing a line in defying authority. It's comprehensive. It covers all aspects of our sinful acts and our sinful thoughts and our sinful words and our omission and our commission of sin. So then we see that David initially is very stubborn in being prepared to acknowledge his sin. In verses three and four, he says, in verse two, actually, he says, in whose spirit is no deceit. There was a period of time where for David, there was a denial of the reality, a deceit within him, a double mindedness within him, a, a kind of double life, a double living, a, a hypocrisy within him, that he wasn't being honest with himself, let alone with God's. There was a deceit within him. And he speaks in verses three and four. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. We see here that because David is living in denial, because David is not facing reality, he, he, he feels the heaviness of that upon his heart. There's a wasting that he feels. There's a burden upon him that he feels. There's a lacklusterness about him, if that's such a word. His strength is sapped. There's a joylessness about him because he's not being honest about his situation. He's not taking responsibility for his choices in his life, but rather he's living in denial, trying to ignore it all, but he can't ignore it. And therefore he's experiencing what is it? Either psychosomatic kind of symptoms here that he feels this heaviness upon him and it affects his his mental health uh, because it's a very real thing for him. Or perhaps it's more than that. Perhaps there is actually an illness that he experiences uh, because sometimes God does send things to us, circumstances, difficult situations to prod us and poke us and make us stop and think and realize that there is something wrong and he's trying to get through to us. And certainly it seems here as if there is an element for David of some sort of sickness that is making him uh, think about his life. But he lives in denial. And it's worth noting this, you know, there is this kind of lack of transparency at this point in his life, a lack of truth speaking in his character that usually we see in David, but here we didn't, we don't see. And I love what Spurgeon says about this. He says this, the lesson from the whole is this, be honest. Sinner, may God make you honest. Do not deceive yourself. 
Make a clean breast of it before God. Have an honest religion or have none at all. Have a religion of the heart or else have none. Put aside the mere vestment and garment of piety and let your soul be right within. Be honest. That's what God wants from us. Honesty. Real. Being real. And in verse five, finally, we see David giving in. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. There's a work of the Holy Spirit in the true man and woman of God, which means that we cannot carry on in the hardness of heart that we have, but rather we will find that there is a desire to be right with God. We can't live in this place where we're not right with God. And actually the Holy Spirit convicts and brings genuine repentance. We see here a genuine kind of turning, a real uh, contrite repentance that has a brokenness about it, an acknowledgement of the seriousness of the situation and a crying out to God for forgiveness that comes from the heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit does within us. But then we see the result, of course. And as I finish, I want to just remind you of the result of this repentance to God. There is forgiveness. And we read of a forgiving uh, that comes, a lifting of the burden. In fact, in verse uh, two, it speaks, in fact, in verse one and two of the different types of the metaphors of forgiveness that we experience. The first is my transgressions are forgiven. And that word forgiven talks about a lifting of a, a lifting of a burden off of one's shoulders. So whilst before there was a heaviness upon David, now there is a lifting of the burden so that he feels a lightness in his spirit. There is a forgiveness that he's experienced. The second metaphor that is used is my sins are covered. This idea of sacrificial blood covering our sins, hiding it away, covering it away permanently, removing it from sight. It's amazing, isn't it, that we have an omniscient God and yet he chooses to cover our sins so that he no longer remembers it anymore, ever again. And the third picture that we have here of our uh, the metaphor here is of our sins not being counted against us. He says that my uh, whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And that word counting against is kind of a, a bookkeeping picture. It is it, it, it's it's a credit, if you like. So it's a little bit like this. Imagine if you had a bank account that was in the red and someone credited, imputed into your account uh, the amount that covered the debt so that it was not the debt was no longer counted against you because someone else has imputed into your account. But imagine even further, if then not only did they cancel your debt, but they also put thousands of pounds into your account so that you had a credit in your account and they imputed to you a credit positively into your account. That would also be amazing and undeserved. And that is what God has done for us. 
that he has not counted our sins against us. But more than that, he has credited to our account his righteousness. And so there is this picture here. And it's interesting that this refers back to Genesis 15, where we read of Abraham, who was credited as as righteous. And it looks forward to Romans 4, where Paul talks about the man who trusts God and his faith is credited as righteousness. And David then quotes Psalm 32. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And Paul quotes David, blessed is they are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not count against him. And so there is this crediting of righteousness to us. I'm going to speak some more about this next time and about the rest of this psalm, but we're going to draw things to a close. What I want to just say to you at this point is this, that there is an amazing grace that we can experience as a result of knowing his forgiveness. He's covered every type of sin with every form of forgiveness so that we are truly blessed Blessed is the man. As Spurgeon puts it like this, the word blessed is plural. Oh, the blessednessness, the double joys, the bundles of happiness, the mountains of delight that we can have. We can sing, we can shout, we can rejoice, we can declare God's goodness. We can be lifted, our burdens lifted. We can know that our sins are covered. We can know that we are righteous before God and therefore we can rejoice greatly. We can shout aloud his praise as this psalm does because of what he has done. The double joys, the bundles of happiness, the mountains of delight that are ours as a result of his grace towards us. Lord, we thank you for this grace. We thank you that you have covered our sins. You've not counted them against us. Lord, you have lifted the burden of them off of us. And therefore, we are righteous before you. We can be confident before you. We can go into today knowing that you're with us and that you're going to do good things in us and through us because you are with us because of the righteousness that you have given to us. And so we thank you for this in Jesus name. Amen.